0: Hello, greetings, this is Eric Grun and this is These Are the Words. Thank you for listening and uh, I'm going to continue on with the book uh, The Gurus, The Young Man and Elder Paisios By Dionysios Parasiotis Parcyotis. Okay. Okay. Let's see, let's find some music, let's find some music. Okay. This is Arabic Greek Orthodox hymns for Great Lent. For Great Lent. On YouTube. If you want to find it on YouTube. Arabic Greek Orthodox hymns for Great Lent. Alright now to continue with the Gurus, the Young Man and Elder Paisios. Let's see where we left off. Chapter One, Pushed Towards Evil, Experiences in the World of Hypnotism, Witchcraft and the Occult. Okay, Aries the Hypnotist. The section is called Aries the Hypnotist. Years would pass before I would enter the university where I was once again ready to take on the fundamental question of the existence of God. Okay, let me start with a prayer. Father, I pray and I ask you to rest upon us, to give us rest on this day, on on your Shabbat, on your Sabbath day, to give us peace, the peace of your Son, Jesus Christ, the peace of the Sabbath. You are the one on every Sabbath, we should recognize and remember that you are the one who makes us holy. You are the one who sets us apart for your own purposes, for your own glory. We are your people and you call us chosen. You make us your people. You make us holy. Thank you Lord for considering us. Thank you Lord for your mercies and your grace, your abundant grace by which we may have faith, even the faith of your Son, Jesus Christ. Lord, guide us and help us to learn, to be learners, and to really learn, and really take in your Word and all truths that are expressed in this book, so that we can grow toward you and toward your Son, Jesus. I pray in the name of your Son, Christ Jesus. Amen. Thank you. Okay. Years would pass before I would enter the university where I was once again ready to take on the fundamental question of the existence of God. Many things came and went in my life, ideologies, theories, the social movement of May 1968, the hippie movement, night clubbing, rock music, trade unions, sit-ins, and everything else. I was searching fervently for the rest that comes with truth. At the time I met Ares, my friends and I were second and third year university students attending university in Thessaloniki. This was the time immediately after the fall of the military dictatorship and there had been an enormous shift in power at the university away from the professors and towards the students. So since so, since our parents supported us financially, our life was basically carefree. And where our university studies ended was where our real interests began. I had studied Mao, Lenin, Marx, and Murray Bookchin with my friends. Even though to do so remained politically dangerous, and now I began to read about psychology, beginning with Freud's disciple wilhelm Reich whose wor- whose whose works served for me as a bridge from Marxism, after turning as well to Frome from by the way uh, my father told me that I was named after Eric Fromm. My, my name is spelled E-R-I-C-H. And uh, Eric Fromm is a philosopher, and he, ha- he writes a lot about love. He writes a lot about love. He's a philosopher of love. Eric Fromm. <laughs> anyway, okay, after turning as well to Fromm, Jung, Freud... R. D. Lange and David Cooper, I soon found myself drawn to Eastern mystics such as Vivekananda and Krishnamurti, to the Buddhist and Patanjali sutras, to the works of poets like Rabindranath Tagore and Khalil Gibran, and to the novels of Hermann Hesse. (laughs) It sounds exactly almost like my life. Okay. I was just thinking earlier on today, excuse me, I'm just going to make a comment real quick. I was thinking earlier on today how what would we trade in the standard of Christ, the standard of Yeshua, Jesus, and that He set, that He has set, And that is set for us in the New Testament and the Old. The revelation of Christ Jesus, uh, that is the goal. His standard is the goal. To become like Him and become one with Him. So what would we replace that with? What would we trade the standard of the Lord Jesus Christ for? What would we trade it for? Any of the standards of maybe Mao, Lenin, Marx. Maybe Fromm, Eric Fromm, Jung, Freud, Artie Ling. Maybe uh, any of the Eastern mystics like Vivekananda, Krishnamurti. Any of the writers like Khalil Gibran or Hermann Hess? What would we trade it in for? A humanistic, secularistic morality? Atheistic morality? I don't know. I don't know. That, that's the question. That's the question that I think a lot of people live out. They live it out. Either you're going, going to pursue Christ and live to Christ and to die is gain. But if we live toward Christ in the way that the New Testament teaches and the Old Testament and the New Testament, the Scriptures teach... It's very different than the way that uh, many of these other worldly philosophers and teachers, um, what they propose and the standards that they propose in their humanistic, secularistic ways. Okay, I'm going to continue. Excuse me. I also read the writings of authors concerned with the sciences. such as Isaac Asimov, Carl Sagan, Fritjof Kapra, Leal Watson, and Timothy Leary, many of whom were trying to combine or draw parallels between Western science and Eastern mysticism, aspiring to arrive at a synthesis between logical thinking and intuitive experience. That is certainly actually one of the challenges I think that uh, comes up is that uh, when we become uh, very intellectual about our faith uh, the question arises naturally I, I suppose or supernaturally I suppose because it's the Holy Spirit that is teaching us and leading us in the spirit of truth so the question is is your faith merely an intellectual one or is it really uh, or does it rather have something to do with your intuitive experience because uh, as we all know the charismatic movement is highly contagious and uh, depends upon emotionalism now our emotions are not bad our emotions are part of our soul but um, I believe that many people get carried away with uh, the idea of charisma and they turn the gifts of the Holy Spirit into a form of idolatry because um, you go far too far off one to the one side, you know. Neither turn to the right or to the left, but take the narrow path. But many people go veer off too far off to the emotional aspect, the emotional side of the gifting of the Holy Spirit, and um, and they don't know anything about. The logical, intellectual uh, truth of Scripture, and then on the other hand, you can get into too far off the left, too far off onto the left, into the intellectualism, and and have nothing to do. With, don't you? You don't want anything to do with emotions or you you don't have any soulful worship to the Lord. You don't have any f- soulful uh praises and lifting lifting your cries, your the cries of your heart. You don't have any connection with your heart so that you would be able to cry out to the Lord and lift up your prayers as as incense, as an offering, as an incense to the Lord so that you can feel his presence and his spirit and uh i shy, i i i ran away from that experience because i i i went too far off to the emotional aspect and and started becoming and started living my trying to live my holy spirit led christian life in a very emotional way and i started to feel Uh, yeah, I started to feel, uh, um, I, I started to feel ecstatic. I, I, I did start to feel ecstatic, but that was not the problem. I started to like view it as kind of a, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, at the time I was in my twenties and at the time I, I was trying to get over my drug addictions, my addictions to drugs And I started to view this, uh, I guess, this cleaving. I guess I was supposed to be cleaving to the Lord, but I I started to view it as an an addiction. (laughs) I started to view it as an addiction, like I needed to get my fix. I needed to get my my fix from God. Ah, yeah. And so now I'm trying to learn the way... Um, hopefully the Lord is leading me Uh, the Lord is leading me so this aspiring to arrive at a synthesis between logical thinking and intuitive experience I can relate to that a lot let's see I don't know what happened to the music let's see okay there we go I can relate to it a lot and I've read many of these writers as well How in the world the 60-year-old Aries got involved with a bunch of 20-year-olds is a puzzle that I have never satisfactorily solved. In any event, during one exam period, we had all gone to our friend Nico's apartment. Supposedly to study... Supposedly to study, and Aries was there. And I, I want to interject one more time. Sorry. I'm sorry. 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 The thing is, I could, obviously I was there could take myself way too seriously, right? Anyone can. But the, 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 the problem always, uh, commences in that if, uh, the thing is, if I'm not taking myself, when I'm not taking myself seriously, then others, are uh laughing and joking with me right and we're laughing together but then when there's a time to be taken seriously no one wants to be taken ser- uh wants to take me seriously or take anyone's like like they just expect you to be always comical and joking and always joking 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 always 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 joking 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 and there's there's no there's no sobriety to it There's no sobriety to it. So that's the thing, you know? It's like, not, not, no, I don't think the people in the church treated me like that. But I realize that I can be like that. And whenever I'm just going to that far end of the fun-loving person, whatever, keeping it shallow, (laughs) whenever I try to get into something deep, it's like, You know, what do you know about those things? Anyway, (laughs) but obviously I could imagine myself being older and looking back and saying I just took myself too seriously. Okay. In any event, during one exam period, we had all gone to our friend Nico's apartment, supposedly to study, and Aries was there. Thin, about five feet, nine inches tall, and with black hair on the sides of his head, and a striking bald, bald pate. Uh, And I learned the other day, the word pate is the crown of one's head. And I didn't know, it was just an old English word, uh, or maybe it's still used today. And I I picked it up in one of the Psalms, I think it was Psalm 10. (laughs) Okay, anyway, he was from a working-class background and had not gone to college, and it showed. But from a young age, he had had the same infatuation that we did, an interest in spiritualistic phenomena. (laughs) Oh, God, I gotta love those hippies. I grew up with them. He was knowledgeable in various areas of the subject. And after a long discussion in which he showed himself to be extremely adept at presenting spiritualistic issues, he told us that he himself had ended up concentrating on hypnotism. He was open to everything, he said, but liked hypnotism best of all. He then began to tell us about the world of spirits, about how beautiful it was there, how you heard very beautiful music, how after visiting it you felt tranquil and refreshed, how your consciousness could become expanded, and how you could acquire unusual abilities such as the ability to transport yourself from Thessaloniki to America. What he said about unusual abilities aroused my interest because I had always believed that a human being was something more than just a cog in the machinery of society, that we all had cosmic dimensions and capability, capabilities. There is the body, quote, he said, there is the body, he said, And then there is the astral body, which is finer, let's call it the soul, to simplify things. And during hypnotism, this is released from the material body and can travel through space with unfathomable speed. Now that it is no longer bound by the laws of the physical world, by gravity, time, and all the rest, he said that Whoever agreed to be hypnotized by him would experience this kind of journey and upon leaving this world and moving in the realm of the spiritual world would have contact with spiritual beings. Now I had a past life regression hypnotist, a very talented one, hypnotized me at one time in my life. And I saw very vividly, as though watching, with my eyes closed, watching a movie in my mind's eye, events, various events taking place, which were supposed to be the events of my past life. And it was about 2,000 years ago... In Jerusalem, in Judea, that I existed, and I had a whole life. I had a wife and a child, and a whole life. I was involved in, a, in all kinds of things, and so <laughs> this was supposed to be when I came out of of this hypno this being hypnotized this hypnotic state uh, the hypnotist had writ- had written down everything that i had told her and and i felt an elation a euphoria a light a lightness like a euphoric elation like a euphoric joy like something had been lifted off of me and so she told me that it was that I made amends with my past this past particular past life and it was set free so a part of my soul was like regained so this person sounded like she knew what she was talking about and at the time I believed her at the time I believed her so this is very hitting this, this. book is hitting very close to home. Excuse me, I'm sorry, I, I'm chiming in from, from now and then uh, to share some of my experiences. And during hypnotism, okay, this is so, he's saying that anybody who's going to be hypnotized by him is going to go to the spiritual world. He said that whoever agreed to be hypnotized by him would experience this kind of journey and upon leaving this world and moving in the realm of the spiritual world, would have contact with spiritual beings. I don't think Aries could have found a more receptive group than ours. The books we had read had infused us with beliefs of this kind, and now here was our opportunity to put them into practice. He conducted various tests to see whether we would make good subjects and if we had the aptitude for being mediums and he found that all of us were of above average receptivity myself and one other person in our group especially so the first step had been taken we had become active participants nonetheless there was something about him I didn't like I had a vague sense of something something in the way he moved, something in his manner that troubled me and made me hesitant. When Ares left, we bombarded Nikos with questions, but received only very general answers. Ares, through his brother, who had made the man's acquaintance first, oh. Uh, He had met Ares through his brother, who had made the man's acquaintance first. (laughs) Ares was a retired technician of some sort who had worked for the government. But Nikos did tell us something that left an impression on us. His brother had agreed to be hypnotized. And while he was under hypnosis and had his eyes closed, he had been able to see a number that... Ares indicated with his fingers and to read the title of a book. Nikos then told us that he himself had been hypnotized and had found himself 60 miles outside of Thessaloniki watching traffic on the road. We didn't go to Nico's house very often, but twenty days later we all found ourselves there again. All the same individuals, although we hadn't made any date or other kind of arrangement. We had another discussion about the same topics, addressing our doubts and questions to Ares, who presented us with his answers. At this meeting, I agreed to be hypnotized. And once I was actually under, I began to have an intense awareness of a certain presence. It was a face, luminous and golden, with indistinct features. And it kept coming between Aries and me. Uh, I want to interject real quick. I actually once saw this... um, To me... It was the, I, 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 the thought came to me, the golden Buddha, and I, I saw him in my mind's eye, he was just a shining, radiant, golden light, in the shape of, uh, someone sitting in the full lotus position, like the Buddha usually is depicted when he sits down, Indian, like a, with his legs crossed, uh for those who don't know, in Indian style, that, (laughs) that is probably the way that you think of it, but anyway, who knows, Uh, but that's, that's what I, that's what I saw in my mind's eye uh, uh, during a time when I was meditating, Uh, so it's very curious, I'm not the only one, I've, I've, uh, I've heard from other people that they've seen this uh, being as well, but I don't know, Uh, I don't know if it's the same thing, but He says, it was a face, luminous and golden, with indistinct features. But the the being that I saw had also indistinct features. It was just a golden light. Um, And it kept coming between Ares and me. Ares told me to chase it away. I complied. But, although the face would leave, it kept returning and eventually woke me from my trance. Afterwards... I continued to sense its presence in the room at various moments. Yeah, and it's, um, at the time that I saw this golden Buddha in my mind's eye, I felt a very calm peacefulness. It was a very, uh, loving peacefulness. And, uh, it was actually like a very, um, motherly, uh, sense, a motherly sense, uh, like uh, uh, loving peacefulness, calmness. Anyway, okay, I'll continue. I asked Aries what it was. He managed to calm me down, more or less. And the group returned to its dis- discussion. And the group returned to its discussion. My friend Mateos was now persuaded to let himself be hypnotized, and we all observed with interest. The way he relaxed, sank into a trance, and obeyed the hypnotist. When Mateos had reached the state that Ares wanted, Ares tried to steer him in a certain direction, but once again that presence made its appearance. A luminous golden face, said Mateos, had entered the place where we were sitting and was moving around. It had, he said, The eyes of a cat. He tried to chase it away, but it wouldn't leave. So he started yelling. uh, Excuse me. He so he started telling us exactly where in the room he could feel its presence. Strangely enough, I was sensing exactly what Mateos was sensing. My own inklings of where the presence was located in the room coincided exactly with what he was saying. The presence soon woke Mateos out of his trance as well, but our interest had been kindled. What was this presence? Was it a spirit? And if so, what kind of spirit was it? Was it a good spirit or an evil spirit? Until we parted for the evening, As Mateos and I later confided to each other, both of us continued to feel the Spirit's presence in our midst. Such matters now became the main subject of our conversations, and we began to read books about them with greater attentiveness. Books about spirits materializing. Books about white magic and witchcraft. The signs. As a rule, I don't frighten easily. Even at night, nothing scares me. Well, there's a difference between him and I. I scare very easily. (laughs) Okay, I often used to take walks in the moonlight in the forest outside of Thessaloniki. And quite a few times, I slept out in the woods. <clears throat> when in a romantic mood, I used, I used to like taking solitary walks late at night. At around 2 or 3 in the morning, through the city's back streets. At about th- 2 or 3 in the morning, through the city's back streets. I was particularly fond of walking through districts whose old buildings preserved the atmosphere of a bygone era. Following my experience with hypnosis, however, I began to feel a variety of strange things. I used to sense a strange presence, a feeling that would make my hair stand on end, and I would hear noises. It wasn't the sounds themselves that were frightening, but their apparent source, the feeling that they were produced by something preternatural. For example, although not a leaf on the trees would be stirring without a hint of a breeze, a door inside a house would suddenly slam with such tremendous force That it would almost come off its hinges. Sometimes it was as if something exploded five inches in front of me. At other times I heard two, three, or four loud sounds in succession all around me. But there wasn't anything there. In fact, I didn't see anything at all. I became annoyed with myself. I want to comment right now because i've had similar experience but uh one experience was that i was passing i was in such a state of uh disarray and uh and upset about uh, an injustice that had occurred and i was angry and i had passed by a a bathroom and suddenly the, uh, the 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 shelves, the shelving unit that was on the wall of the bathroom, uh, about maybe ten to twelve feet away from me, suddenly flew off the wall. It just suddenly flew off the wall. The wall had like broken at, in like an explosive way. And it just suddenly crashed onto the toilet and all kinds of things um, that were on it had broken on the floor. And it startled me, and I, had, I hadn't expected it, but it suddenly just um, flew off the wall as I was passing by. And another time, I had been sitting in my car waiting for an order at a Chinese restaurant and uh, this man was standing in the corner of the parking lot, about uh, two hundred feet away from me, maybe maybe two two hundred two hundred or two hundred and fifty feet away from me. But I could see him, and uh, he was in the corner of the parking lot, and it was I couldn't make out his, the details of his features, but he was all like a shadowy, like he was like it was late at night. So it was it was around the time of the, the restaurant closing and I had been the last person to order the food. So it was around 9.45 perhaps. So it was dark. And I had been sitting in my, I glanced over at him and I saw him and I recognized him there. But I had turned turned back toward the steering wheel of my car. I was in the driver's seat. And I don't know what he said, but he said something, and I heard the sound, and the sound moved uh, into the car. The sound that, what what he said, I don't know, I don't remember what he said, but he said something, and the sound moved through the car and through my body, as if it was like a sound wave that moved through my body and and my body became completely, uh, like uh, my body was completely vibrating, like shivering, like shivering. And I had sense of, uh, I had felt like a sense of, uh, a feeling of fear, like real, like, like a, like a flash of fear that had moved through my body and had give, like had vibrated my body, like had uh, shaken my body. Um, and i i it startled me it startled me and i and i just and i knew that it was coming from him and i looked i turned toward him and i think i just started praying uh but then i went into the restaurant and and got the order and they were done with the order and i picked it up paid for it and and went home uh but those are two events that i i can't explain anyway sorry <laughs> i'm sorry for those who are listening to the book Uh, This is kind of like my... uh, This is my like kind of interacting with the book. Sorry about that. Okay. I'll continue. I became annoyed with myself. Why was I paying attention to such foolishness? But not only did the noises continue, I now started to hear them at other places and other times. Of course... I ignored them, or, in any case, tried to ignore them. Our interest had really been piqued. We had encountered a mystery. True, every now and then these strange figures appeared and frightened us, but we had begun to get used to them. We continued to meet. At Nico's apartment. Mateo's was the first to notice, the fifth time it happened, that Ares would suddenly gather us together, so to speak, not letting anyone know beforehand. On a given afternoon, for no apparent reason, we would all get the idea to stop by Nico's, and Ares was always there. At that time, we didn't even much have much of a connection with Nikos and were not in the habit of going to see him. No one hears a word from you, I once concerned uh, I once cornered Ares. How do you manage to bring us all together? Well, I say to myself, since they don't have anything better to do, let them all come here. So he admitted that he somehow drew us all together. I did not care for this at all. By now, Ares had acquired some kind of control or power over us, and he wasn't the kind of person you could trust. Did he have the ability to influence our thoughts and desires? And if so, to what degree could he influence them? And what would happen if we resisted him? In the meantime, his cunning, call it diplomacy, if you like, slowly began to become apparent, and I started to distrust him and be more cautious. I didn't stop going to the gatherings, however, and he gave me his home address so that I could go see him there. Interestingly, Ares used to say that he was a Christian and he had icons and votive lamps in his house. However, he considered the priests of the church to be inferior because they were ignorant of spiritual reality. (laughs) He had a relationship with the church but it was a relationship on his own terms, and he used to interpret the Gospels any way he liked, any way that was convenient and that he cared for. And I noticed that he left out passages that didn't didn't suit his purposes. Okay. Around that time, I was lying in my room one night with the door closed. Then strange noises began a sudden, inexplicable banging from the bookcase or on the window pane. I had slept in that room for years and knew all its sounds, but this was different. In fact, It was so loud that I was at a loss to explain why my parents didn't hear it or why whatever was making these noises didn't break something. Moreover, I had the feeling that there was a presence in the room, and this frightened me. I got out of the bed and opened the door to feel closer to my family, and then I got annoyed with myself and closed it. Each time I was about to fall asleep, the banging would start again, and I would wake up terrified and open the door. This happened three times. Finally, I got really angry, firmly closing the door. In my in my heart, I cursed whoever was harassing me like this. I made up my mind to treat him with disdain and to give him a good trouncing if I ever laid hands on him. I fell back asleep and this time I really slept. Then I heard a crash, violent and loud. I got up in my bed with a start and found the room filled with an eerie pitch darkness. The light from the street lamp weirdly was not illuminating the room as usual. The darkness was actually preventing the light from entering, as if it weren't just darkness, but some kind of conscious being. I was terrified by this dark presence, and I immediately cried out, MY CHRIST! As soon as I said this, there appeared in the corner of the room the luminous outline of a person. Its light was somehow white and transparent, and peculiar though it was, I found it soothing. It gave me an immediate sense of security and filled me with a gentle calm that drove out all my fears. I relaxed, sank back down in my bed, and fell asleep. The whole scene lasted only a few seconds. The following morning, As I went over the events of the previous night in my mind, I was bewildered. I was unable to come up with any interpretation or explanation of the things that had occurred because I had no criteria on which to base a judgment, no yardstick against which to measure what had happened. But in any event, it was something I couldn't just dismiss. The next time that I saw the hypnotist, I described what had happened, including what had happened when I called out the name of Christ. He replied, Don't be frightened. I forgot to warn you. Now that you're entering the world of the spirits, they're trying to scare you in order to stop you. Call me and I'll come and help you. Don't be frightened. He forgot. What did he mean by forgot? I didn't believe him. He had simply concealed the dangers from us. Other friends of mine had similarly frightening experiences. He had placed us at risk and had been using us. He himself had never been hypnotized, nor did he involve his children in such things. What did he mean, moreover, when he said, Call me and I'll help you? Were we now in need of his help? Would we become dependent on him? Why should I call him? Had it been a mistake to call on Christ for help instead? Even to have Christian sympathies was unfashionable in our group. Was he saying, I had something to be ashamed of? or was he saying he was better than Christ This is one thing I can attest to that in my experience with those who claim to be spiritual leaders and turn out not to be but very are very are very well the opposite of a spiritual leader at all they they leave us they leave everyone with vague answers and questions that are unresolved and with all kinds of doubts and and all kinds of uh, confusion in essence. It leads to confusion. And uh, I'm reminded that in the scripture Jesus says to the Pharisees, to the Sanhedrin, he says, I have spoken plainly in public for everyone to hear, and all of you have heard what I teach, and what I've said. So the testimony of Jesus Christ is very straightforward. Although he speaks in parables, but yet He his claim is very straightforward. His claim is that he is the Son of God, and therefore he is God. That is the claim. So his claim is straightforward. It's not ambiguous. The way many gurus or teachers, spiritual teachers, supposedly sp- spiritual teachers, like this hypnotist Aries, uh, like they they leave us with many questions that are unanswered and and confusion and doubt. Um, okay, I'll continue. After experiencing these kinds of phenomena. A number of the others didn't want to continue, but I was burning with curiosity to find out what lay hidden behind all of this. I wanted to discover the truth, so I plowed ahead. Nevertheless, matters worked out in such a way that in the end, Ares no longer wanted anything to do with me. A girl I knew had returned from abroad where she had been studying. While there, she had become addicted to heroin and was now a real junkie. She had almost died a number of times from overdoses and had been expelled from her university. I wanted to help her, so I suggested that we go to Ares so he could hypnotize her to help her quit. He used to claim that hypnosis could be useful in beneficial ways like this i took her i took her to his house and explained the situation he hypnotized her but it didn't go i mean i'm sorry it didn't do any good in the end aries became frightened of getting entangled with the police And as a result, we never again had one of our chance, quote-unquote, chance gatherings. As, uh, in, in brackets, as for the girl, years later, she was saved from her dependence on drugs when I asked Father Paisios to pray for her. No one who knew her then, myself included, believed that there was any way to save her because her habit was at an advanced stage, and she hadn't the slightest instinct for self-preservation. Quite the opposite, in fact. But today, she has completely changed. So, wow, I believe that that is true. Absolutely, that is true. Uh, I've met people who were junkies on heroin, and uh, I met one time someone who told me that uh he had slammed five bags and if you know how much that is it's it's a in it, 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 it's a lot it's a lot it's a lot a little bit of heroin goes a long way when you're injecting it or smoking it. It, it it's a lot and he said he was trying to kill himself and he didn't die and he couldn't he he just he just passed out and later on he woke up again and he. He couldn't overdose. He tried to kill himself and couldn't overdose. So, truly our lives are in God's hands. So, uh, this is uh, the time is running out. So, I'm going to leave you with this beautiful chanting. And thank you so much for listening. The next section is called Alexandra. And uh, I'll pick it up on the next episode uh, where we left off uh, page 36 of this book. A very interesting book i can uh, I can relate to many things that he experienced and he went through um, as I'm sure many of you probably can also in this in this wild and uh world that that uh, has us entangled with sin and uh whether we realize it or not um, and so he started to touch upon. Father Paisio's praying for this girl that in itself is a miracle it really is a miracle Uh, if you know someone who is addicted to heroin it's very difficult to get off of it and especially if you have uh, a death wish for yourself it's extremely difficult so uh so God is truly in control and uh I look forward to hearing about more about Father Paesios and uh about his the author's experiences until next time God bless you and good night